0: We are live. We are live. Welcome to Stock Talk episode 27. And I hope that you are excited as we are because we have an extremely exciting agenda today. We're going to be talking a little bit about AI and investing. Also, Daniel and I are going to go through how we use a discounted cash flow uh, tool to become better investors and try to just think of where the stock prices are going. So that should be a really fun one. And we have our first ever guest coming on about halfway through the show, Stock Ada, which is going to be super fun. And if you're enjoying the streams, you come every week, please hit that bell icon to get notified when we go live, smash the like button, and we are also on Spotify now. Daniel, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I know you were in Asia and then you came back and you had a cold for those of you who are following along. It doesn't sound like you have a cold and you look well rested. So are we are you back in the Canadian groove now? <laughs> everything yes. all the you know, everything's shaking out from the trip? Yeah,
1: we're back, baby. We're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, before stock auto comes on, I just want to let you know it's not StockAuto. It's stock auto. But, yeah, we have our first guest later. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun.
0: Well, you can tell it was our first guest. So I just had a really good crash course in making sure that you can pronounce the name correctly. So, hopefully, that was a one-time... <laughs> one-time I did, you. You,
1: You've so, clearly been preparing a lot.
0: <laughs> it just looks like... Well, actually, I just argued against myself. I was about to say it looks like avocado, but then that still doesn't back up how I pronounced it. Anyways, more important things to get into today. I became a subscriber, should I say we, to chat GPT4 3.5. It is talked about a lot, obviously, that the AI revolution is so-called here. I thought an interesting conversation to have would be how investors can be looking at AI when they look at long-term stock investments. Obviously, we are more long-term investors than short-term. Daniel. How has AI been affecting how you are looking at stocks in the market? Almost not at all. Interesting. So I have been thinking about AI a lot. So let's just use an example here Netflix. So one thing that AI is doing really well is it's making it easier and easier to create content. Uh, the cost to create visuals and things with stable diffusion is going down. So when I think of stocks like Netflix, for example, I try to question what their mode is. I thought their mode was questionable before. There's lots of streaming services. So if it's going to get easier and easier and easier to create the the content, where is their edge? We already know that competition is coming in. And on the contrary, you won't be surprised to hear me say, when I think of companies like Airbnb, it's hard for me to imagine how AI is going to create more houses or get that marketplace going again. So yeah, that's uh those were some of the things I was thinking about there.
1: But it's interesting to me that you're saying you're staying clear from it, right? Yeah, I mean... I just don't know if we're there yet to like really start worrying. I mean, if you're talking like five to 10 years out, then yeah, I could, I, I would agree that AI is probably going to start making some pretty crazy content, which, uh, also, you know, as a YouTuber, that's not fun to think about, <laughs> but, uh, I actually know that some people are using ChatGPT GPT to start writing videos, like writing scripts for videos. So I haven't done that, but I have seen some people start doing that, but, uh, yeah I don't know we'll see we'll see how it plays out right yeah. now though I'm not like too concerned about the stocks that I currently hold and what AI is going to do to them But well, we'll you do hold a
0: couple stocks where I think AI definitely has a huge gameplay so you are a shareholder in Google as well correct
1: yeah but I mean they've been the leader in AI for like over a decade so I don't We've talked about this before. I just don't know what's going to happen yet. So I think it's a little bit premature for me to like make moves in my portfolio when I haven't seen anything happen to the fundamentals or the numbers yet. Like it's everything right now. I think is just speculation. Like who knows? Netflix may maintain some sort of mode. Maybe they'll be like the AI content generator. They'll have some formula that works better than everyone else. We just don't know yet. No one knows. Yeah. I don't want to make moves in my portfolio based on just what I think is still speculation. I definitely agree on the speculation note because you can
0: come at this from two sides. On one side, AI is going to theoretically speculation, but we see it bringing down the cost to do things like create content, stuff like that. So you can then say, all right, well, if the cost is going down to produce content, then it's going to be easier and easier for people to just use prompts to make shows and things like that. And you start to question, well, companies like Netflix are spending, you know, tens of millions of dollars on content. Amazon's doing that too. However, you could also see this as a positive thing for them because they could also obviously use these technologies. I was just
1: about to say, I I mean, you could flip that and be like, oh, well, maybe their, their cost is going to go down massively, which makes them much more profitable. Like, who knows? Yeah. And I can say as a
0: consumer too, like other conflicting things I feel is there is a real conversation about search here, right? Like is Google set up to win because they have the most data they're already ingrained in your search bar and everything. I think that's a huge moat, but you also, you know, even for me as a consumer, I started paying $20 a month for ChatGPT 3.5 and 4 this week. And I'm now using both that and Google. Now, I'm not going to make a claim, what does that mean for Google's business model? Like you said, it's a lot of speculation at this point. I guess I could just say, at least for me as an investor, I am looking at it a lot. And like you said, it's mostly observing. But I definitely believe it will be changing things in the future.
1: One thing I find interesting, though, is like I've heard a lot of people say that ChatGPT and Google, like the use cases are pretty different. So have you noticed yourself doing a less Google searches now that you have ChatGPT or are you using ChatGPT for like a totally different use case? It is completely about access. If
0: I had ChatGPT available just like Google was where I have a Pixel, but I'm a Google fanboy. So my phone's Google, everything's Google. It's just right there for me. But I find the answers are usually a little worse there are some small use cases where I know Google will get something right and I don't want a huge conversation. So there are still things where the conversation is actually annoying. And of course, everyone feels that like Google could just flip the switch and kind of turn this on as well. So what I'm hoping for, as well as Gmail integration and things like that, is to just have it already integrated in my Google products where OpenAI, ChatGPT, I still need to like log in through a web browser, go through this extra step, which might sound like, okay, cool, first world problems that you have to log in, but. I think ease of use is incredibly important, especially from the consumer standpoint.
1: Yeah. I've I've been uh, taking a look at the surge um, market shares and Google's market share is still maintaining. So, so far it looks like it's not really making too much of an impact on their business.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see what happens and good morning everyone to the chat. A little bit too many names to run through them all today, but I appreciate you guys all coming. We would love to hear some of your opinions on this as well if you want to Drop some comments there and if you're just lurking, again make sure to hit that like button if you're enjoying the stream. Really helps us get more reach. Let's uh
1: let's hop into some DCF stuff.
0: I was just about to say that. Leave us off with the first stock here, Daniel.
1: All right. So I am going to show everyone Oh wait, how do I do this? Let me do this. Um I'm gonna put this over here and then I'm going to do this. Boom. You guys can see I'm rating our. I was gonna say, there's a little sneak peek there. <laughs> the <laughs> subscribers-only <laughs> newsletter that's gonna be sent out later today. If you if you want it, you got to be a subscriber to Stock and Lock. Okay.
0: So from the perspective of a newer investor, Daniel, what flow do you walk through, and what would bring you to this type of tool? What kind of questions are you looking to answer
1: with? Okay, so this is our discounted cash flow calculator (DCF) for short. Um, this is basically a tool that a lot of I think not very many beginner investors use this and to be honest when I was a beginner investor I did not use a DCF calculator. I still don't use this as like the holy grail of investing or you know like if if I run a DCF and it says that a stock is undervalued I'm not going to be like okay I'm, I'm buying it today you know it's a part of the analysis not the full analysis for me and it just try I use it to try and put things in perspective to understand how a stock is valued today so. That's one thing that I actually do with the DCF, is I try to understand what is currently being priced into the stock right now. And then I ask myself, like, is that too optimistic? Is it pessimistic? And then is there an opportunity there, or should I be avoiding it? So we're going to take a look at Apple first, because, you know what? I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm just going to show you what I think. So... What am I like? <laughs> No. That may have been worded stupid. I'm sorry. Anyways. No, no. It's, uh, <laughs> this
0: is, this is all what live show is all about. Uh, yeah. I was going to say just one quick thing for the, for the newbies here who don't know how to approach this. I think one thing you really need to understand is earning multiples. So that I think would be the dependency on really understanding these tools. Learn about price to earnings ratios because this is a forward projection. Mm-hmm. And thank you for letting me do that quick interruption. What, which one are we going to
1: look at here, Daniel? Okay. So for Apple, I like to look at the free cash flow and i'm going to use 10 years i like to have a little bit longer of a time frame so what are discounted cash flow calculator is going to do is you can select the metric you want to use we have a couple of videos on our stock on the lock youtube channel going through when i believe you should use earnings free cash flow operating cash flow all of it those are very in-depth videos if you want to know what metric to focus on so with apple i believe free cash flow is the best um again i want to project out 10 years And what we do here, we automatically do the autofill. You can turn that off. But over the past 10 years, Apple has grown its free cash flow at an annual rate of 8.63%. So basically, our DCF will take this and then just project it out over the next 10 years. So what it does is it makes the assumption that Apple is going to grow over the next 10 years as quickly as it did over the past 10 years. That's the best we could do. Um, I don't know if you want to believe in that or not. But uh, I think that this is actually a little bit too optimistic in Apple's case. I think that they're probably going to grow at like 5% or 6%. Let's be optimistic. Let's say 6%. Yeah, and and one call out on this, especially for newer users, the autofill is a very
0: great feature in Stock and Lock since it will seed values that our software, just looking at past financials, think are sane. However, it's definitely up to the user to really understand what's going in here since the price that's going to be output that Daniel's driving us to is very dependent on your input. So this is not a real estimate or any kind of guarantee. It is the investor putting in what they think will happen to the business. And based on how it's traded historically, if the stock does grow, you can create some reasonable theses around, okay, this stock might actually be worth X in the future based on how it's grown in the past. But yes, very good point there that it is a little dangerous to just take those at face value and not understand them. So it's worth turning on education mode for new users and we got question marks in the video to walk you guys all through it.
1: Yeah, and then the next thing is the shares outstanding growth rate. They've bought back about 4.7% of their shares outstanding annually. They're probably going to continue doing that in the future, so I'll leave that. Price ratio over the past 10 years on average has been 16. I'll just leave that, and a 10% discount rate is basically the rate of return that we want. So basically saying over the next 10 years, if Apple can grow free cash flow at 6%, buy back about 4.7% of their shares and trade in line with their historical average price to free cash flow, then the stock's fair value is $111 or 32%, basically 33% if you want to round up, below where the stock is currently trading. So this stock today, based on these estimates, will not give you a 10% annual return. It will give you about a 6% annual return. Sorry, my cat just walked in. basically, (laughs) (laughs) Basically what I'm trying to say is I think that Apple has just become a little bit expensive in the market. If we actually go and take a look, um, go to free, I just want to show everyone Apple's price to free cash flow and what it's been doing recently. Oops, price to free cash flow, because now it's trading around 27, which is well above its historical averages. As you can see, it's like actually near the high end and Apple's revenue Is even it's been kind of stagnant for almost a year now and it's actually starting to come down a little bit so i think that you know a 27 price to free cash flow for a business where the revenue isn't really growing anymore at least for right now is uh quite expensive which is why you know yeah that's why i wanted to run it through the dcf and kind of just show my thinking because i think the market is pricing it quite a bit can
0: we kind of scroll down uh the page a little bit and i found that interesting too so you went to the free form to try to validate your assumption and some people might be looking at this who are on video and say wow this looks like apple stock price is going to 2x however do you believe that that's where their free cash flow will be at in 10 years because that's the assumption that this calculator is making and going back to the free form tool daniel i think that's a really great strategy to look influence for how to put these numbers in your their financials and really try to look at their product, see where they're innovating and not that we can predict the future, but use our best educated guess as to where those will be in the future. Yeah, do take that down to like 2% growth rate. What
1: would that do to the fair value? Oh, uh, one thing first, what I, what I like to do in the DCF, what I just did is changed the growth rate to find out about where the fair value is. So you can see for Apple to be fair value right now, it basically have to grow its free cash flow at 10.2% to give you that 10% return which would mean its free cash flow would have to 2.5x over the next decade, which I don't know if it can do. I really don't know. So basically, I would look at this then and say, I think that this is too optimistic, and this is what the market is currently pricing. So I think that this is too optimistic for me, which means that, you know, I could come to the conclusion that maybe it's not an investment that I would necessarily be happy buying right now. Um, But that's just me. I don't know if Apple's going to outperform or not, but um, yeah, that's just kind of my opinion on it
0: yeah i mean we can go into a hole on apple i am just not a consumer of apple products i know you are neither, so we might have a pretty unfair conversation about it but they've obviously built a dynasty and it seems like the world's running on iphone or at least half of it so gotta give credit where credit's
1: due but will they continue that in the future i don't think so yeah um actually this was another one i wanted to do jake let me know if you want to run through one but someone just asked what would be the fair value of equitable bank and could you show another example maybe for Microsoft? Yeah, thank you My so heart. much for that suggestion. Let's let's do it. I,
0: I've got one, uh, but we've got time. I think we have about 13 minutes until Stock Auto is coming on. Pronounce it correctly that time. Thank you.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, so we've already explained the Freeform tool now, so I am just going to run through really quick. So with Equitable Bank, this is a bank. So I like to use the earnings number. Now, again, we have the autofill on, so this is all of Equitable Bank's just numbers over the past decade. I like to be a little bit conservative whenever I'm doing these, so I actually don't think Equitable Bank is going to grow at about 13%. I'm going to be a little bit more conservative, just say 10%. Shares outstanding growth rate, I'm going to leave that the same. Price ratio, leave that the same. Actually, uh, no, the price ratio, I think that over time it's going to expand and they're going to be more aligned with other banks. So I think it's actually going to expand to about 10. And this is a great mindset too, right? I mean, as other
0: investors go and use these tools, these are the exact questions you should be asking yourself.
1: Yeah. Also, this isn't the best right now because Equitable Bank had some major one-time charges related to an acquisition, so their earnings is actually down right now. But anyways. As soon- we, can o- <laughs> we can override the last metric, which is a feature that a user actually asked for that we added a month or two ago. Uh, Yeah, I don't have the number on the top of my head, though. Got you. So, yeah. Maybe I should do that, honestly. (laughs) Let's do Microsoft, because I would... This isn't going to give an accurate picture, because I don't have... You are not
0: a shareholder of Microsoft, correct? Because I am.
1: I am not a shareholder of Microsoft. Microsoft, I would use free cash flow. Um, All right, so let's just take a look at their autofill metrics. So this is just projecting the past 10 years out. And this says metric growth rate of free cash flow of about 9%, buying back shares, yep, price to free cash flow ratio 23, 10% discount rate. Sorry, 10%. And that says fair value is 31.5% below where it's currently trading and about $196. So based on Microsoft's historical, their last 10 years, if they do that again and they grow at about 9% over the next 10 years annually, then the stock looks like it is actually expensive. So what would they need to do? Let's do 13%. 13 13.5. Okay. If we scroll down, what would that bring the total value to at the end of 10 years? Yeah, um, I'll take a look at that. But basically, Microsoft right now is priced as if it's going to grow its free cash flow by 13.5% a year over the next decade, which would end up being $211 billion in free cash flow. They did about sixty billion in the trailing twelve months, so they would have to basically triple, more than triple, free cash flow over the next decade to just be fair value today.
0: That looks like an aggressive assumption. Not that yeah. we can predict the future. I mean that that would be great. I'm a shareholder. I'm looking at that. I'm like, if Microsoft does that, I mean, I'd be a monkey's uncle. That is an incredible amount of growth on an already very large base. So
1: if... yeah. And the thing about Microsoft too, like. This is also giving it a 23 price to free cash flow, which is a little bit more on the rich end. So, I don't know, like if we go back to our free form tool and we take a look at Microsoft here, it's kind of been doing the same thing as Apple, where its price ratios have just continued going up and up and up for quite some time. Like it's basically just been continuing to uptrend and now it's trading for a price to free cash flow of 36 So that, in my opinion, like that's a very expensive multiple, especially on a stock that's like already so big. Um, And yeah, I mean, the market's just pricing Microsoft like it's going to grow its free cash flow very dramatically over the next decade. And, uh, you know, like if they if they don't hit this, then, you know, the stock's probably not going to deliver amazing returns. So basically, I just think the market's pricing it for it's just being very optimistic on Microsoft, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, you know, we, ha- we have a good comment in the chat here from Ali. Also, uh, this uh, member of Stock and Lock is the person who is helping us out with the podcast. So shout out to you, thank you so much. AI wars are at play. And Daniel, my comment was going to be, not that I'm speaking for us, but just looking at the stock price. It seems that people are pricing in or giving Microsoft a higher multiple because of their place in AI. Yes, this is very speculative. And as you mentioned, that is adding more risk to the stock, especially when people start thinking of margin and safety and things like that, you can kind of see this is a very well talked about stock and it seems like people are pricing that in. Maybe they'll be right, but you know, look where others are is what a lot of other people would say. I personally was buying this at around 225. My average is 223. Not financial advice. I'm just kind of watching it at this point. I do that was all for long-term holds, no intentions on selling. Great company. But yeah, it's definitely flying pretty high with all the AI craze going on.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's just pricing in a lot of growth already. It's basically like if even if Microsoft does grow free cash flow by 14% per year over the next decade, like it's already pricing that in basically.
0: Definitely, and I'm gonna share my screen here and just walk us through my stock. Many of you know I'm very bullish on Airbnb. I have continued to do a lot of research, especially on the short selling reports and things like that. I will bite my tongue because I do love having my bull rants about them, but just keeping it to the, oh, it looks like I'm logged in on a guest account. Uh, just keeping it to this DCF. So Airbnb, Obviously they sell uh, rental properties. This company has uh, around a 40%, I forgot the exact number, free cash flow margin. So they are extremely profitable on the revenue that they break in. Daniel, I know you said 10 years. I'm just gonna throw in some more opinions here because I think it's up to the investor of how to use this. I feel a little bit more comfortable with five. There's no right or wrong here. For me, I think five is a little bit easier to just kind of like stomach and feel confident about. I think 10 years is very hard to predict. However, yeah, and again, no right or wrong there. Um, So what I like to do with Airbnb is I like to value them on free cash flow since they are profitable, they have positive free cash flow. I personally think this company is going to continue to grow very rapidly. So I am putting in a 15% growth rate. I think 37 price ratio is a little bit high. So I'm actually going to lower this down to 30. This is still very high. I understand that we were just looking at Apple and Microsoft and we both agreed, Hey, 27 is high. However, I'm gonna use the Amazon argument here that when you have a business that has such a huge moat and is growing as quickly as Airbnb, my opinion, which I know you might agree with, sorry, disagree with Daniel, is that this company will continue to command a high earnings ratio based on their growth rate and their amazing leadership. One thing I love to focus on too is this does seem very sane to me. So for those of you who are just on audio, we are looking at, well, if we project their future growth rate by 15% for five years on their free cash flow, which was reported as $3.41 billion in the last trailing 12 months. That would bring us all the way up to $6.85 billion in 2028. I think that's very possible. Just my opinion, not financial advice. So, you know, we've been running through these numbers a lot, but these are the tools I like to use when thinking about long-term stock prices. This is obviously a big bull case. I think you should do your own research, and there are people who disagree with me here, but these are one of the reasons why I love Airbnb, and as they make more money, I continue to see them having very, very high free cash flow margins and being a very profitable business. So any any comments here on Airbnb? Daniel, any uh, fun arguing you want to have uh, about this one?
1: I just, uh, I think those are pretty optimistic numbers.
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the sign I'm taking on this. I'm very bullish on Airbnb and that's what makes investing fun. I, I do know we did have some comments on the last stream. I just want to let everyone know Daniel and I are super close friends. If anything comes off as like a little... Bantery. I mean, that's just how we are and our personality. But rest assured that, you know, we we are both very happy and feeling good about things. I can also definitely make sure I'm standing up for myself if I feel that Daniel ever crossed the line. But Daniel, I don't think you ever do. I I genuinely love when we disagree on things. I think it's a lot more fun than
1: when we agree. Personally. Yeah, I I uh, I just gotta stop bullying you. Anyways, all right. So I while Jake was going through Airbnb, I went to Equitable Bank's most recent earnings report for the full year of 2022. I found their adjusted net income right here of $326 million. Again, they did an acquisition in 2022, which they had a lot of one-time expenses. Personally, I'm happy to remove those because, again, I think that they're one-time expenses. So this is like what the bank would have done without the acquisition costs. Um, so going forward, this is probably what they're going to more likely produce in the future. So what we can do over here on our DCF tool is add in the most recent metric override. So if there is some adjustments you wanna to make to the numbers, um, you can enter in the number that you essentially want. And that's what I'm gonna do here for Equitable Bank. So now I'm gonna drop that growth rate back down to 10%. I'm going to say a price ratio expansion to roughly a 10 price earnings ratio, 10% discount rate, that's the return rate I want. And we can see here that the fair value is about $71 a share with these assumptions here future stock price will be 210% above and the compounded annual growth rate will be about 12%. Now, one thing that our DCF does not do that I, we want to build is show the dividends as well because Equitable Bank does pay a about a 2.3% dividend today and that should be added to the compounded annual growth rate and fair value. So, in the future we will have dividends hopefully it, don't know coming. when that <laughs> don't know when that will come but uh yeah, that will give a more accurate representation of the earnings. And then based on these estimates right here of 10% earnings growth, that means the bank will be producing about $846 million of earnings by 2033 relative to 326 today. Um I don't think that this is like super unrealistic. I think they can probably do this to be honest. And if they do, then I mean the stock looks uh, pretty cheap. This is when I
0: say I think that's extremely optimistic, friend, but that is what makes investing fun. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you watching, one great thing about Stock and Lock is you are looking at two out of three founders here that o- metric override was a direct ask in our Discord from a user who wanted to be able to override that. And as Daniel said, we have a lot more in the pipeline with dividends coming through. So whether you're just in your free trial or you're already a subscriber, please reach out to us on our free Discord email. We are very excited to just make sure we're building things based on your guys' feedback. and. Quite honestly, do believe that it is one of the best investing tools on the market for retail investors today. Of course, I'm opinionated, but
1: I think okay, it's back. great. Oh, we're close to uh, Stock Auto, right? Yep, yeah. I'm going to let Stock Auto into the stream. Uh, here we go. Hello, Stock Auto. Hi. How are you guys? Great. How are you doing? I'm great and great. I'm actually out of town,
2: so that's why you see a different background over here. And I'm great. And Jake Hyde, it's the first time I'm seeing you, so nice to see you. And thanks, Daniel, for having me. I'm a huge fan of your content. So it's really nice to be here.
1: Awesome. Well, I uh, hope you're doing good. Thanks for coming on the stream. It's we've yeah. been talking about you coming on the stream for probably over a month now. But with me in Asia, like it was just a little bit too hectic. So happy to find but, everyone. Applied that.
2: Crypt seemed really nice, by the way. I was looking forward to more images. I was a bit disappointed there, but it seemed amazing. <laughs> it's, it's good. I should do the same probably.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was a good time. So yeah, what we like to do on these streams is just talk about stocks we're looking at, stocks we're bullish on. So is there anything in the market right now that you're taking a look at or researching or even buying?
2: Yeah, okay. So let's let's fragment that and I'll, I'll take every question here. So regarding buys and sales, I had more sales than buys recently at least. So some companies like BAM, for example, I'm pretty sure you're not going to like this, but I sold the entire thing. Uh, I had HDB, sold the entire thing. Uh, it was mostly because uh, during November, December, as the market started switching and recovering, I knew that names like BAM, for example, and other conventional names, the growth rate here is going to be limited. It's going to be 17 to 19%, give or take. Uh, in my case, the average portfolio growth rate I like is above 20%. So that's why it made sense to switch these names. And uh, that's the first thing. Regarding buys, I bought some small caps. I'm not sure if I should disclose small caps here. Probably it's too risky or shouldn't
0: that that is totally your call. Just know that you would be representing Staccato and uh, as opposed to Stock and Lot, there I, I tend to avoid the ones that are too small cap. So I'm invested in one that's okay. Around like twenty million. So mil- less than less than one billion is okay. It's it's
2: eight hundred to one billion. That's fine, right? I yeah, would I would say that's okay. Yeah. Go, go okay, so so the name is Alpha Group. It's it's a British small cap, anyway. So that's why I'm not so worried because it's not available to U.S. investors. So it's an FX management company. It's growing by 40% or 50% every year, 40% EBIT margins. So it made sense to switch to us these days. And That's regarding the, the market one, uh, so the ticker here would be, they changed it actually, so let me give it to you. Just give me one second. It's ALPH, And that company is growing by 40% every year, and they expect to maintain that momentum, if not increase the growth rate here, because they introduced some new products here. So 80% is FX management. So let's imagine you guys, for example, you're based in, let's say you're based in the US and you're selling to European clients. So you have the FX management there. So these companies could actually give you tailored solutions. And that's why it's growing at such a rapid pace. And now they also, now they launched a new product, which was for asset management, alternative asset management. And that product is also being like 60 or 70%. But once again, it's a small cap. So please uh, keep in mind, it's really volatile, risky, very liquid as well. Yeah. And uh, regarding the overall market, I track so many sectors, man. It's <coughs> it's great. Like uh, retail, tech, AI, because I know you were talking about AI just a minute ago. So I track all these names just to see where the market is heading. And if I can just take one or two trends
0: every year, that really helps the portfolio out. Definitely. And uh, we are making history now. You are the first guest. I think that there are a few people in the audience who are familiar with you, Stockout, Or There's probably a few who are or not. So I already love that we started off You're selling stocks, Daniel's holding. I love this. Maybe you could take just a minute or two just to describe your investing style, specifically around, are you more long-term, short-term? I know you said you go cross-sector. Like, what is your vibe? Where do you specialize? Are you a generalist? Uh, Yeah,
2: I I wish I had a fixed answer to this. I had a feeling this question is going to show up and uh, I was thinking how can I actually answer this? I was preparing since yesterday. So let's see if I actually nail this. Uh, I don't have any criteria. I genuinely don't. But I will say this, like, the first metric I like to start with is the revenue growth. Like, I focus on profitability, margins, free cash flows, everything. We'll talk about this in a minute. But I start at the revenue growth because if your company isn't growing by, let's say, 15 or 20%, there are certain economies like India, for example, the economy itself is going by 8 to 10%. So just invest in an index there and you'll be just fine. So if you're taking some risk investing in the market, you might as well get compensated over here. So I start with the revenue growth because when it comes to margins, yes, okay, you can improve your margins from, let's say, 15% to 20%, 25%. But eventually, you hit a ceiling over here. So I started with the revenue growth and then everything falls into place. And then operating margins, I don't have anything fixed. Like, I could go with a company with 15% operating margins as well. And uh, when it comes to free cash flows and stuff, if a company is reinvesting everything they have, you won't see free cash flows. Like For example, uh, and this is why I suggested one company in the previous stream, I suggested a company called Thor & Decor. So if you check their cash flows, you'll notice they're actually negative. And they said it'll be negative for the next four to five years. But then when you understand the dynamics behind that, this company is growing by 30 to 35%. Just so everyone knows, this year, it's it's going to witness a slowdown, just so you know. I'm going to warn you about that. But if your company is growing by 30, 35% and they can reinvest everything, Obviously, the free cash was won't be there. Mm-hmm. And then if you take operating margins, that that's also, I need to be flexible there. Uh, for example, just so you know, I am Palo Alto. If you check their margins, you'd say, well, the margins are pathetic. But then you see, well, it's actually because they're spending so much on sales and marketing when they don't have to. So, for example, Jake, just two minutes ago, you were talking about Airbnb. Now, that company is so amazing because they have variable costs. It's not so much fixed costs. Sales and marketing in 2020 and 2021, Airbnb decreased it completely. I think it went down by 80 or 90 percent. Tell me a business that can take that variable cost down so much and still grow. That's what happened with Airbnb. So Airbnb um, now
0: too that much. Precisely try to sell their consumers.
2: Exactly that's the thing. So uh, all these things I need to put them in perspective. So I just don't see the headline like 30 percent operating margins. Not a big fan. Let's skip it. I don't do it this way. So, I just study each item and see if it
0: fits. But I started with the revenue that needs to be there for sure. that's a great intro, Thank you. And Daniel, I'm assuming that we both have the same question. So I just want to dive a little bit deeper into that. One thing I'm sure that we would agree on is companies need to make money, and when they're not making money, the money is coming from somewhere. And I think that there are in tons of incredible growth stories, and I totally agree with you. We could look at Amazon, where revenue is going up. People are reinvesting. You don't see the cash flows. However, there is an other side of this coin and we need to maybe find a middle point where if a company's just burning money forever, that also isn't good. So when you start threading that needle there, maybe we could even think of an Uber, right? Because you looked at their revenue, maybe back in 2019, to 2021, and then their operating income like went like that. So what is like a level of unprofitability that you see? And are you looking out and saying, I expect that this company to flip profitable at some point? Or are you like riding a swing trade saying, their revenue growth, they can do whatever they want with that. Because uh, that does go, I think, a little bit uh, against the grain of what we do. we do here at Stock and Lock, which again, is not right or wrong. It's why we love getting alternate perspectives of different sure. types of investors. So I don't think it's alternative
2: perspective. Maybe
0: I'll try to defend myself here. It's
2: just I'm investing two years before you. So I'll explain what I mean by this. If you take a company like, once again, we take Palo Alto because it's one of my biggest holdings. So this company wasn't profitable just two quarters ago. I invest and it became profitable the next quarter itself and now the EPS is going to grow by 50 to 60% because that scale kicks in. So it's not like I'm investing in companies that are just burning money. It's just the market doesn't see it's profitable, so they're cheaper. And then just in the next three to six months, they become profitable. So just two months ago, I bought another company, it's also small caps. I won't name it here. I just Mm -hmm. bought it and they said in the next two quarters, once again, we are going to become profitable. So you get actually multiple things at the same time. Firstly, you get the re-rating happening because it was cheaper, now it becomes expensive. Then the revenue growth rate kicks in, and then you have the margins which expand significantly. So I'm just giving myself multiple catalysts because I don't know which one will kick in. Now, if all these things kick in, then it's freaking amazing. But at least this way, I have some choice. If market is not happy with the revenue, it's happy with margins. If it's not happy with margins, it's happy with the cheaper valuation. So it gives me multiple optionalities to believe
0: but... it. Yeah. So, so I, slightly... I to...
1: Sorry, Daniel, go ahead. No, it's definitely interesting. And the the Stock Unlock uh, Subscribers newsletter that I'm writing right now is actually on a business that's flipping to profitability right now, Um, New Bank. I'll just tell everyone it's John. the Berksh- Berkshire Hathaway growth stock. And yes. yeah, you can see it. Like they're unprofitable and then every quarter they flip to profitability and now they're starting to generate hundreds of millions. Nice yeah. Um. I definitely don't think it's black and white. Like, for example, over the past couple of years, we saw a lot of Kathy Wood stocks, if you want to call them that, where they grow top line, but they dilute (laughs) shareholders so much to grow revenue by 20, 30%. So I definitely don't think it's just like a one size fits all. And I like that you kind of analyze the business itself and try to really understand like, okay, they're unprofitable right now, but they're going to be profitable. How are they going to do that? And is it realistic? Because I know that a lot of companies can throw out an investor presentation like, oh, we're going to generate billions in the future, you know, give us five to ten years. But then you, ha- you have to ask yourself, like, okay, is that actually going to happen? Or is this just them trying to get some investor cash? So
2: Yeah, yeah, I'd say there are some companies that you know beforehand that they'll never become profitable. Yes. yeah, You know that, and but they will see revenue growth. So company I analyzed last year was Teladoc. I knew they wouldn't show you profits for several quarters. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that even investors eventually, so Palo Alto, for example, is the biggest cybersecurity name. It's It's not a small company. More than $50 billion in market cap, So I'm not revealing a secret here. <laughs> but the thing is, it's not in your radar normally because if you go on Twitter and you write cybersecurity, for example, you'll see names like Fortnite, CrowdStrike, but you'll never see Palo Alto because it wasn't profitable. But once it becomes profitable, people will say, oh, this company is amazing. So it's not like I'm picking companies that will never become profitable. I'm just a bit early because I want that catalyst to kick in sometime it will. So that's the only thing. And most of my companies are essential items. So it's not like discretionary spending apart from LVMH. And in the case of LVMH, I would say my entire, comp- uh, entire portfolio, you'll see that margins are improving every year. So I, I want myself to have these multiple optionalities. That that's pretty much it. But when I say revenue growth, I'm not saying eighty to ninety percent. Yeah. It's it's sustainable a revenue growth, something like twenty to twenty-four percent. Some businesses are made that way. So if you go with the cybersecurity industry, that industry itself is growing by twelve percent. So for a big company to do, let's say twenty, twenty two percent is nothing out of the ordinary. Payment space, it's also growing by ten to twelve percent uh cloud space also 10 to 12 percent semi semiconductors certain semiconductors so it's here, the sector is growing and the players are just sitting there
0: and they're getting the benefit yep uh let me know if this is a fair summary that that was great thank you for walking us through that so you are not saying i only invest in revenue growth of course you did not say that i think you are looking at the sector growth as well as the management when they're putting out their forecasts and saying can I believe this management? Are they running this business well? And maybe if there's a hundred businesses that are growing top line revenue and not bottom, you'll look through those and it doesn't mean you'll like all 100, but you're gonna find the stories where you say, hey, people like Jake and Daniel, they're missing out on a lot, a lot of opportunity because they focus too much on fundamentals. I'm gonna try to get a little bit of a future sight on this one. I'm not sure if you saw our last stream, I actually brought up Chewy, which I am not an owner of and I think is a very you know, high value. But right? However, I am thinking of Chewy a lot when you're talking about this because just looking at their business, decent growth last year. Slightly different story, but in my opinion, Moat management seems good. For the exception that the CEO is selling a lot, but yeah, I think this is an incredible style, and it seems like it's working well for you too. So we're we're learning we're learning as well. Appreciate you sharing all of
2: this. The, the thing is, every one to two years, you'll see that a different investing style works. Yeah. So it's, it's good to have companies that can do multiple things. Like, f- firstly, as I said, essential items, you, you'll spend them every year. So like you said, Chewy or Zoetis, these two companies that are in the pet space, they will grow every year. Now, I'm not saying Chewy is going to become extremely profitable. That's not what I'm saying. But when it comes to growth, they will be there even during bad years. If we take this year, many companies will witness a slowdown. We already expect that. But if your company can grow by, for example, Daniel likes HDB, So if you have a market where the market is growing by 2%, but certain companies can grow by 20%, obviously they will do well, even during bad times. So having that sustainable revenue growth actually helps you during those tough times as well. Because the market knows, oh shit, my company is growing by 3%, but Costco is growing by 10%. So it gets a premium as well. So during bad years, the performance is just 10%, plus you add a re-rating as well, and you get decent gains. So last year, for example, I knew that this wouldn't work. So I had safer names. But now I know the market is recovering and people are going to take more risk. We can see this with certain companies where they're going up by 100 or 200%, like NVIDIA, just like that. So obviously people
0: are willing to take their risk. So you need to position yourself accordingly. So How long do you typically hold the stock for? Does it vary? I mean, are you a swing trader? Do you normally buy and hold long? Is it I different so, stocks? so I don't want to label
2: things, but I, I'll give you an example here. So uh, I'm not a trader for sure. But the longest holding I have is last five years, six years. If it works, it works. Like Microsoft works, it sticks. So you just hold it. But last year, for example, I realized Google was one of my biggest holdings and I don't have it anymore. I have it in my family's portfolio, but I don't have it. I realized many things are changing and I just don't want to be involved in it. It it, it depends. It varies. But for example, stocks like LVMH I have since 2019-20. Microsoft as well. Palo do I just keep adding. So many names, I just hold them, But eventually I realized some smaller holdings, they just don't work out. Huh. This year, I realized Google is not going to work out for me personally. I had Meta. It went up by 100%, 20 30%. I said, well, the business is definitely not growing by 20%. So it doesn't match my portfolio criteria anymore. So I had to switch it. Just being practical here. Because I know there is one opportunity cost, which is going to cost me three or four years down the line. That's my biggest issue. My biggest mistake is not going to show up right now because the market is recovering. My biggest mistake will show up four years later. Because imagine I could buy a nice business now and I'd say I'll sit with freaking Meta and then it's going by 8% every year for the next four years and I was like, shit, I needed to buy that other company four years ago. So, <laughs> so the top biggest mistake... is your time machine. But that's the thing because <laughs> the biggest mistake, as I said, they won't show up right now. They'll show up four years down the line. So I, I always keep that in mind consistently.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with Meta. I mean, it's, it seems like it's just been going up every day now. And what I've been noticing is now that Meta stock is up, you're seeing the analysts, oh, $250 price target, $300 price target now. It's like, oh, man.
2: <laughs> Why does, so, can I, can I, can I so, show something to your viewers? Because I have a feeling they will like this. Yeah, we can do more. two experiments. We'll do it with Jack and Daniel, and you'll see if you like this or not. So realize us have fun here. Let, let's do it. Let's take the last five-year performance of three tech names, and I want you to guess what happened with these names. Then we can use Google Finance and So the three companies are Google with Google Cloud, Amazon, and then we'll add a third one, which is Oracle. Now tell me which one did the best, which was the best performance, last five years. Guess. Take a guess.
1: Uh, last five years.
2: I mean, I'm bringing up this point, so you might as well think a bit out of the box here.
0: Yeah, I, I was typing to the chat like a bad student in class and didn't hear the question. I'm going to say Oracle. Okay, because...
2: so, so so I will tell it to you, Jake just so You know, uh, so three tech names in the last five years. You just need to guess the performance of Google, Oracle, and Amazon because all of them have cloud. So I, is this mean, stock performance Google. or like yes. revenue performance? Just stock faults last five years. I with I don't understand Oracle. Yes. Yeah, it I agree with Daniel on this one. Okay, so could you show the last five-year performance to your viewers just so they know, and then I'll, we can I'll, check. I'll bring the, it out. Yeah, because I don't know how to do this, and then you'll see the financial performance as well, and I'll explain what happened here because I have a feeling your viewers will really like this. And we can do this in the retail segment, we can do this in the tech segment, we can do it in the luxury segment. You pick the sector; I'll give you examples.
0: Also, oh, I will be sharing my screen very quick, and feel free to guide my fingers here on the keyboard. Uh, once okay. I share, I cannot see you guys anymore. Okay, so let's see. <laughs> okay, so you said that you wanted to compare the uh, stock price? Right now, just the stock price of all these players. Cool. Okay, cool. I think what market cap would also be a fair one. So, we want to look at the last five years, you said. You let's let's do Amazon? five years, yeah. Amazon, and Google, and Oracle. And for those of you who are uh, listening here, um, we are using the Stock and block Freeform tool, and you can graph lots of different metrics. Why is Amazon not showing? There you go. It's probably
2: because it's oh. a small cap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I And really <laughs> any, any other stocks you want to put in here besides Oracle?
2: Let's let's do these five years. And you, what do you see? What, what do you see here?
0: Uh, the Kagar of Google is double Oracle, and Google is in first place.
2: Well, wait a second. Is this correct? Because I used Google Finance and I saw different results.
1: Jake, you're going for 2019. Go five years.
2: But uh, it's because he's doing them. Could he just could he just use Google Finance? Because that's where I check the results, just, just, to, just to be sure.
0: Yeah. Kind of the stock price can be yes. sometimes influenced by like the share count and things like that. But if you're just yeah. looking at stock price, then...
2: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, see, so see he, this is interesting. Now, you see Oracle, CGR is 14%. It's actually more than Google, and it's higher than Amazon. Now, this yep. is interesting because Oracle in the last five years actually didn't grow so much. It just started growing this year. Oh, really? And yeah. It, it, and it's going to grow in the next two years. It's only going to grow in single digits. But here's what has happened. You can actually check shares outstanding of Oracle. And since 2000, yeah, 2011, they have actually halved it. So it was around 5.2 billion, something like this, 5.2, 5.3. Right now, it's a 2.7, approximately. So the shares outstanding in the case of Oracle in the last, uh, to, since 2011, it's down by 50%. It, it, yes, yeah, you go back. Go back. You're going to be surprised.
0: So they're You're buying going back, back farther than 2011?
2: Yeah, since 2011. Like, like it's, it's crazy what
0: this company has done. First, it was shared. Does it show up? Yep. So, oh, yeah, so on. it says the percent yep. changes, minus 46%. And there they, you go. As a CAGAR, they are lowering by 5% a year. Instead of reinvesting back
2: into the business and investing
0: in businesses like
2: Google, this company goes and buy by its shares. Like literally, because it makes sense, the PE ratio was so
0: cheap. And right now it has actually one of the highest PE ratios. In fact, it's around 31. Is it, it a combination no. continue to buy back shares as the ratio goes up? Or is there any limit there? Because we, we talk about this a lot and we do like mm-hmm. share buybacks. However, we think it's good. As you're saying, when the stock price is low, it does seem like sure. it was low and they started buying back, which would actually check boxes off for us. Yeah, they'll. It, it's it's hard. Because technically, if you're giving dividends, you
2: also need to consider taxes for shareholders and for the company as well. So if you're looking from tax efficiency perspective, buybacks makes more sense. Now, of course, initially, you want the company to reinvest in the business, but if your return on capital is so low, buybacks is your only option. Yep. And you could, say, you could say people like, uh, not people, companies like Apple, for example, they have created shareholder value. Although they destroyed the balance sheet. If you check Apple's balance sheet, it's not the best. Because they have cash, but at the same time, they keep increasing their debt. So I'm not a big fan of that financial engineering.
0: But yeah, I have a light rebuttal on this one. Not that there's a right or wrong here. I think another way to look at this, instead of dividend buyback, or sorry, dividends or share buybacks, if a company is able to reinvest that cash in the business and get a higher RIC than they would just giving the money back to shareholders in that way. If I had to think between the three of those, so like I think Chewy is an example. Airbnb is an example. In these companies, 10Ks and 10Qs, they have management statements saying we have no plans of giving dividends. I think in Airbnb's <laughs> case, there's a small exception where they offset share-based compensation through a share buyback program, which I actually think is nice just to keep the count level. But do you tend to favor one or the other, or is it still a company-by-company thing, stock auto for uh, five I minutes? Mean, so I would say
2: 40% of my portfolio, they reinvest nearly 40 to 50% of the cash. 30% is buybacks and the rest 20% is dividend. I will give it that and the rest 50% they reinvest literally everything. Ideally, you want a business, uh, I'll give the name anyways, it's also not a big company. It's Dino Polska. It's a Poland company. I'm not sure if uh, Starterlog allows Poland companies. Does it? You might
0: repeating that last part again, right?
2: Yeah, Dino Polska is the name. I'm not sure if the, if the platform will take it, but please give it a try. D-I-N-O space
0: p-o-l-s-k-a there you go so you have it yeah check. Uh, we we, we okay. have all the stocks on stock unlock uh, i guess this one what is this a small like cap? no so. let, let's let see if you can get the financials of this company just
2: take a look at these numbers now, this company reinvests 100 percent everything back into the
0: business well, that's what, a nice you know, nice growth there uh we could also look what, at the insights too and amazing performance like and, that, and that's the type of company you want to own it's growing at a rapid pace. It's really missing. That's exactly what you were talking about before. Like high growth and yield profitability will come later. So I, I appreciate. No, your no.
2: Consistency. So, so this profitability actually won't increase because it's a retailer. Uh, it's It has grocery stores. So these numbers will optically look low. Yeah. So it, okay. it, it's it, it's something like cost going BJ, like optically these numbers still look low. But that makes the business even more efficient. But uh, like it, it gave you literally everything. Like seriously, you can't complain. It gave you a revenue growth. The business was growing. It's sustainable. Margins are sustainable, and the stock performance—it literally blew everyone out of the water. Like, take any company you want. Take freaking Costco and compare it with Dina you know, Polska, and you'll realize that it's leaving Costco far behind by a wide margin.
1: Wow! Yeah, that's some pretty serious uh, performance yeah.
2: right there. You can also add BJ's because BJ did better than Costco, but mm-hmm. DJ Polska just leaves everyone behind. Like, seriously,
0: like there's a wide gap, Wide gap there. Well, uh, yeah, the data here on Stock and Lock is backing up every point you're making. So, Much one. I- I'm glad I did my research correctly then. <laughs> you're good. That's why we have this too. I don't know about you guys. I-, I like to keep things written digitally, and it's made my memory pretty poor. So, Stock and Lock is well, like mine. My- but, but I think the screenshot is really good because it just shows you the most important metrics
2: you need. And you can screen everything in just two minutes. So, this screenshot is everything you need. Amazing. This one, precisely. Yeah. That- that's all we need.
1: Yeah, like this right here shows you really strong growth. ROIC is nice. ROC is nice. So they're investing their capital well. And the gross margin, the margins are not the best, but I mean, as you said, for this company in specific, it doesn't look like that mattered too much. The stock still performed incredibly well.
0: They're very consistent. It's- so as Takata saying, saying, yeah. like, you know, you can believe that they are going to keep this margin just based on history and saying as long as management stays the same, they stay in the same business. I agree with you. I don't really see this changing. I see the margins
2: are sustainable because it's like Walmart initially. So yep. they're going basically in rural areas and small villages. So they don't even have any competition. So there's just one store there and these guys will show up just like Walmart did initially. They are literally copying the entire playbook. And whenever they open a new store, the payback period is less than two years. Wow. Like they can, re- they can reinvest everything right now and their return capital is more than 20%. Yeah, These guys are saying, look, Don't expect anything like free cash flows or dividends from us, guys. We need to grow here a
0: lot. So that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, Jake, can you check the operating cash flow on that one? Uh, Definitely, yeah, and I even have the uh, DCF up -up for it now, which is a little ridiculous, honestly, but I lowered it down to 20% growth rate and it uh, still had a very, very high future projected stock price assuming that it trades at the same multiples. Daniel, is that what you
1: wanted here? Yeah, so for companies like this, where they invest basically all of their money back into growth. This is the metric that I like to take a look at is their operating cash flow growth. And this is this is basically exactly what I was expecting to see from this company. It's just nice, consistent operating cash flow growth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that it's such a boring stock too.
0: <laughs> Nick
2: and Frank will that. I'm done for today. See you guys later.
1: <laughs> and uh, we're
0: gonna have a new watch list called Stock Auto Picks here and uh, just do you yeah. want me to give you a list, actually, for your followers, maybe they... I would can... say, Arv, are you able to type in the chat? Uh, this isn't financial advice, but we're uh, always uh, now to share stuff. How do I do pictures. this?
2: I have no idea how to... It's the first time I'm doing this, so please apologize if I'm a bit messy. Uh,
0: if we can't send it here, you can send it to us async, and for everyone who's in our Discord, we could share it there, uh, as well as put it yeah. as a comment on the stream. So if you're watching the recording, uh, we go into the comments, and we will try to float that there for you. You can even do it on your own account and with that being said i did want to give you this opportunity i know i have a hard stop in about three and a half minutes for a friend's 30th birthday i can't speak for daniel but do you want to just take a little bit of time Auto, to tell people where can we find you where are you online i i heard a rumor that you might have a YouTube account. Uh, this is a great place for other people
2: it's who are. just what a mean? rumor <laughs> i heard a jake it's just a rumor <laughs> so uh so I don't believe those lies uh so i have uh, three accounts uh, one is my YouTube channel, of course, My name is Stokato. Then you have my Twitter handle, it's Secret Monopoly. It's basically, as I like monopoly companies, like they, they are either number one or number two. So I wanted to name my channel accordingly. So it was Secret Monopolies, but I couldn't get my message through.
0: Nobody knows why it's Secret Monopoly. So there you go. Is this and the then, at, then, which then, cost? I just want to share the link for everyone. Uh, at Secret Monopoly, uh, at Stuc- at Secret Monopoly, I believe. Yeah. All right, well, we'll post it after. I think I found a link to someone with a very similar name, so apologies.
2: Yeah, so the thing was so now there's a bot account, it has the same Twitter handle. It's just uh, there's a one letter difference. And yep. I tried to report that. So maybe your viewers can help me out here. And then I have, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, we, and thank you so much. And then I have Patreon as well, which I started just recently. So it was everything about my portfolio and any content there as well.
1: Yeah, we, uh, I typed out the YouTube link and we have it on the screen right now. So anyone who wants to go and follow stock auto and uh, check out his YouTube channel is right there on the screen. I would definitely recommend it.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And uh, do you have any questions from your viewers? If, if you want me to answer anything, I have the time.
1: Um, all right. We have a question right here. Stock auto, what's your take on what sectors will perform good in the next five to 10 years?
2: Uh, the ones which performed good in the last two years <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> in the last, because in the last two years if you managed to grow you're doing something right obviously yes. you'll witness a slowdown this year so if you are still managed to grow this
0: year you've got things right so I've covered the luxury sector please go ahead Jake I was going to say uh, well I wanted you to finish that one but I was a little school child with the hand up for a question two you said something about monopolies before what's your favorite monopoly? I'd say I'd say yes asml yeah let's go with
2: asml what why it's uh, i'd say a- asml because it's like attacks on everything like uh, today we were talking about ai and machine learning and everything else
0: this is uh, like you need very strong compute power storage compute everything I just taking uh, a small step back for our viewers just in 30 seconds for people not familiar with this stock just what what do they do
2: yeah i'll explain everything so take your iphones for example your latest iphones So that these chips are made by Daiwan Semiconductor and there's another company called Samsung. So both these companies, to make the latest chips, they need some machines called EUV machines. And that's what ASML does. Now, so ASML has a monopoly there. And uh, then the previous technology is DUV machines, deep lithography machines. And ASML makes that as well. So the market share there is between 60 to 70%. So that's why I like those. So that's what ASML's business model is. So that's why I like it. Because, it, like, everyone needs this company. And uh, what you'll see is normally in the semiconductor sector, uh, companies like AMD or NVIDIA, for example, they'll go up by 200%, then down by 200%. As a matter of fact, just for your viewers, take Nvidia stock price, last 10 years, 15 years, and see the stock performance. You'll notice every two years, it goes down by 50%. You can do this in the last six years. If it doesn't happen, write me back. I'll prove it to you. <laughs> so, uh, so it's because I'm bored, so I do these things every day anyways.
0: I was like, let's see, how much did NVIDIA fall four years ago? So we hear a lot of what... love for nerdy stock data, for sure. Definitely feeling that camaraderie here. I, I love that. I sub- I love and support that.
2: And I encourage that as well. So so when you see the semiconductor sector, it's really volatile. So it's very hard to find companies that are growing sustainably. And ASML is one of those. It grows
0: every year. And uh, I forgot my initial question. I was about it's, sectors. I know, this was great. It was just what what was your favorite monopoly i think you answered the question well and one one interesting thing here my favorite questions are where we bring up points where you might not see eye to eye and see where we land i have a lot of respect for you i think or i'm very convinced that i'm the dumbest person in the room i looked into intel stock i looked into all these semiconductor companies my background is in software engineering which obviously isn't hardware i tried reading through these companies 10ks and 10qs the vocab they're using understanding the industry knowing where it's going obviously Yes, like GPUs, AI, all that, it's great. It was impressive to hear you speak about the moat around some of the specific technology they had. Do you have any advice for me or other people in the chat as to how you could better understand some of these companies? Because right now I'm at water's edge and I, I'm i very strict myself. I will never invest sure. in a company unless I can explain it to a five-year-old. And I cannot do sure. that with any of these semiconductor companies today. Maybe you can. Yeah. So
2: firstly, I'd like to correct you just a bit because you said you're the dumbest investor here. I, I didn't agree with that, just so you know. <laughs> And I say this because it's just we are, we are in different stages. Like I've been doing this for eight years full time. So it, it wouldn't be fair to compare your performance with mine and your knowledge with mine. We are just in different stages. That's pretty much it. So it's not fair to say that. And I would yeah, deserve, I appreciate you. But appreciate you, you. yeah, no, I, I really do. I really do mean that. And regarding sectors, we'll start, start with the easiest thing. Start with sectors that are growing by 10 to 15 That by itself, you'll filter out, I'd say, 90% of the sectors. There are not so many. That can actually grow every year, by the way, not just one year. So like five or six years. So Krishna asked which sectors will do well. So I can tell you the luxury sector will do well, the cybersecurity sector will do well, cloud sector will do well, certain banks in India will do well because the economy itself is growing. And once you have the sector, then you just go with the biggest player first. Go with number one. And what you notice is the number one player itself is growing by 20% and you realize you don't need to bother with the rest. Because as an investor, if you're getting 20% returns, that by itself is enough. I mean, if you're ambitious and you, you, you think you know a lot, so, so then, go with, then go with all these extra names. Like in the semiconductor industry, I have ASML, but then I just recently purchased one stock, which is a small cap, so that's why I'm a bit reluctant here. And that's growing by 100%. But the market cap is $1 billion. So don't do that. But if you do decide to do that, you can just do 80% of your money in the biggest company and then 10% in the smallest. So even if you lose it, you're still fine. But how do you understand the sector? I'd say well, in the first two years of your investing, just read everything about every sector. Don't invest your money. Just go with an index fund, but just understand some sectors. It's very hard to make uh, money in an industry like Uber, for example. If they didn't figure it out in the first 10 years, it's not gonna happen, guys. It was in the first 10 years, they were growing by 60%. Now it's growing by 15%. So best of luck with that.
0: But what then are there are the, some- in- With the uh, semiconductor industry.
2: Yeah, so, so you just need to understand that semi- in the semiconductor industry, there are two components. Firstly, it's logic. So you have companies like CPUs, GPUs, for example, that's really volatile. And then you have other industry, which is analog. So here you have companies like Texas Instruments, And when you see the stock performance, you'll notice that Texas Instruments is growing every year. So obviously that industry has some dynamics which are really important. And then once you dig in, you'll realize that Texas Instruments has products right now that they made 20 years ago. So 80% of the portfolio right now of Texas Instruments is products which they made 20 years ago. No wonders it's profitable. No wonders it has 50 to 60% operating margin. On top of it, this business is 70% direct to consumer. No wonders it has very high margins. Like you don't need to understand the industry so much. Like they're literally telling you, guys, we are doing this, that's pretty much it. And so if two companies have sixty percent operating margins and two have ten percent operating margins, obviously the numbers are telling you something. So then you just reverse engineer and you see, okay, so this company is this and this. For example, why does BJ have a higher operating margins than Costco? For example, it's the same. Yeah, and obviously there are some reasonable.
0: Uh, thank you so much that was a great deep dive i know that i'm personally going to be listening to this again on spotify podcast to make sure that i'm absorbing all of that i cannot speak for daniel here and this is one of those conversations i feel like i could personally have and talk to you for hours i mean we have so much in common i have a 30th birthday to get to daniel we did not have same thing i know we daniel we usually think on this before the stream so i'm not sure if you uh, also have to dip but i'm going to have to <laughs> all right so any any last uh, comments you want to say to the viewers here at also to Daniel? For me, it's just thank you so much. Please hit the like button if you enjoyed this stream. Don't only really subscribe to us, subscribe to Stock Auto. Definitely deserves your uh, subscription and is obviously also putting out great financial content. And Stock and Lock, of course, is going to be helping us all make better investing decisions and look at these metric growth rates and stuff like that. So thank you for being
2: here. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. it's It's been a pleasure. I'm a huge fan of you guys. and I, I think I'm participating in all your live streams. I hope so, and I will still participate. I, I love it whenever you talk about new stocks because there are not so many channels that actually try and educate because everyone wants to give you the names, the next ten x stock or twenty x stock, although maybe I should use that for the next title. I'm just kidding. So uh, so everyone tries to give you names, and you guys are actually trying to educate with the platform. so, really nice thank you so much
0: okay so enjoy jake i hope to see pictures from your side yeah We maybe we'll do this again sometime Th- thank you so much for joining and we hope everyone has thank an you. amazing weekend happy stunks to all of you i guess
2: you can see ya.
0: I'm gonna hit Bye. that button